Hello, I'm Ray. Welcome to another podcast episode. This time, all about, well, not all about the, I was going to say the cost of living. That's what I've called it. But in actual fact, it's going back in time to buying houses back then and buying houses now, the deposit you needed then, the deposit you needed now, the difference. Because a lot of people these days are saying they can never buy a house. They just cannot afford to get on the property ladder. Now, I remember getting on the property ladder in 1970. I've got to think back now. When did we buy our first house? 1975, I believe. Yes, five, no, six, whatever. It was the hot summer. That's it, 19... Who remembers the hot summer in Britain in 1976? That was a car just going by. I've got the windows open. I'll do the weather report in a minute in centigrade and Fahrenheit, so don't worry about that. But yeah, that's when we bought our first house, £9,400, a mid-terrace house, very small, well, three bedrooms, I say three bedrooms, two bedrooms and a, a large cupboard that they called bedroom three, <laughs> but it was great. It was a first-time buyer's house, and it was great, little front garden, little back garden, a garage, yes, it had a garage in a compound just round the corner. So it was fantastic. But we had to save up. We had to get a deposit together. And I remember the deposit. It was 500 and something pounds. So what would that be roughly working? Well, I don't know, 5%, 5% of the, the price. Now, the thing is back then, and this is going to lead me on to a story, so don't get bored. Back then, they only took the husband's earnings into account when you go into a, a building society for a mortgage. Banks didn't do mortgages back then. So you had to go to a building society and the husband earnings, that's all they did. That's all they accepted. Even if the wife was on three or four times more than the husband was earning, that didn't count. They're not interested in what his wife was earning, which was a, a weird way of doing it when you think back. I suppose their thinking was that people get married, they could have a baby, as we did. You could have a baby. So then the wife can't work because she's got the baby. Of course, these days, <laughs> it's all different, isn't it? Now, I don't want to get into politically incorrect. Is it incorrect or incorrect? Incorrectness, isn't it? Uncorrect. <laughs> What's the difference between in and un? Well, inundated. Why can't you be unindated? Un un anyway, moving on. So they only took my money into account. Now, I'm going to tell you this story in a minute about Melissa. Melissa was a friend of mine and she wanted to buy a house. Now, I'm going back, well, when was this? 80s, I suppose. Yeah, it must be at least 40 years ago, 80s. She wanted to buy a house on her own. Now, by this time, I think by the time she wanted to get a mortgage, they didn't mind that she wasn't married and she was the only breadwinner, if you like. So they took her, obviously, her earnings into account. There was no husband. So I don't know what, I don't know the ins and outs of it. But she managed to get a mortgage. The way she did it, she saved for something like 18 months, two years. She had her full-time job and she worked you know, all day, every day at the full-time job. Went home where she lived with her parents, had a bite to eat and then went off to her evening job. And she did this six days. She had Sundays off. She worked six days a week, six days and six evenings a week. Just had Sunday to recuperate. Good grief. Anyway, she saved up the deposit. Her parents didn't have the money to give her or lend her a deposit. But what they did to help, they didn't charge her any sort of housekeeping. 
You know, she offered to pay so much a week. They said, no, 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 keep every penny towards buying your house. She eventually got herself, it was only a small bungalow, a small semi-detached bungalow. I went to see it, I remember. It needed a lot of work on it. The, the garden, the back garden was just overgrown. It was a jungle. It needed decorating. It had no carpets. It, it really was, I, I was going to say had been neglected. I think it had belonged to an, an elderly lady who passed away. Then it was empty for a couple of years. I don't know the story, but that's all, that's all irrelevant beside the point. So she got this bungalow. I'm going to return to Melissa's story, her bungalow, in a minute, because I want to mention an email I've had from Janine. Hello, Janine. What kicked all this off was Janine saying that she's got a son in his 20s. He's got a very good job, a well-paid job, and he wants to buy property, a flat or anything to start off to get on the property ladder. And he won't save. She's told him that he's got to stop going out at the weekends start saving and putting money by to get a deposit. She said, yeah, we haven't heard husband. They don't have the money for the deposit because it's pretty horrendous these days, the amount you need. But he is earning extremely good money in London. I don't know what he does. And Janine has said in her day, same in my day, Janine, we had to work and save up. You get your house, you get your mortgage. You don't go out. I remember we didn't go out. We couldn't afford to go out. We just saved and saved there were no such thing as credit cards back with, you know, we, was there American Express? That was only for rich people. <laughs> and we were far from rich. But Janine is saying that when they did, her and her husband, when they did eventually get a house, they had no furniture. Uh, we were the same, Janine, I remember it. No furniture, no carpets. And she said that they sat on a, a wooden box. They had a, a tea chest, you know, the old tea chests. Uh, they had a couple of those to sit on. They didn't even have dining room or uh, rather lounge, you know, three-piece suite. I remember when we got our house, we were given a three-piece suite. We didn't have a fridge. Someone gave us a fridge. They were buying a new one, a friend of ours. Their parents were buying a new fridge and they said we could have the old one. It was a bit tatty, but it worked. It worked perfectly right. It was just a bit tatty, but that was it. We had a fridge. And Janine is saying that a friend of her son's, he's just bought a place. This is what is annoying her son, because he wants to buy a flat. This friend of his son's just bought a flat, and he's had it fully furnished, new carpets, everything, on a credit card. And she's saying there's no way this lad, as she calls him, lad, is in his 20s, no way this lad's ever going to be able to pay it back. He's got a pretty hefty mortgage. He's got a good job, but a pretty hefty mortgage. He's now got a pretty hefty credit card, you know, he wants a fridge freezer. Oh, just go online. There we are, have that one delivered. It's delivered the next day on the credit card. He wants a new hi-fi system, a new telly. He needs a three-piece suite, whatever else he needs. It's just all on the credit card and it's all delivered. And she said it's just incredible the way things have changed. That is true. As I was saying, we, we were given everything secondhand. We didn't buy, I don't think we bought any furniture new for a long, long time. Um, let me, I'm trying to think back. We didn't buy any new furniture. We bought second-hand stuff. Initially given second-hand furniture, then we would buy second-hand furniture. But what we didn't do, we didn't get into debt uh, with credit. I mean, there was HP, the never-never, as it was called. There was HP, high purchase. We didn't do any of that. If we didn't have the cash for something, then we didn't buy it. 
This just shows how times have really changed. I heard some youngsters, well, I say youngsters again in their late 20s the other day, talking about buying places, mortgages, and they were saying that deposit these days, you need sort of 30,000 minimum. I don't know how true that is. I must look into that, find out what you do need. Uh, and one of their little group was saying that uh, they've saved up 40,000 and it's not enough for a deposit. So I really don't know. I, it, it sounds a, a lot of money. £40,000 isn't enough for a deposit on housing for a mortgage. I don't know. Perhaps they were exaggerating. I really don't know. I must look into that. Back in my day, it was about 5%, I think. So if, if it was sort of 10 grand, it would be, what, £500 that you needed, which, of course, was a lot of money then. You know, don't get me wrong, 500 quid back in the in mid-70s, you know, that was quite a lot of money. Not everyone had that, and it's not everyone could easily save that up, but uh, obviously people did. Going back to Melissa and her bungalow, she moved in. It was great. I didn't see much of her. She was only a friend. That was all. I didn't see much of her because she was working and saving for 18 months, two years. I went and saw the bungalow once she'd moved in. It was really nice. As I said, tatty. Needed a lot of work doing to it. But it was it was home. She was on the property ladder and it was her home. I saw her, must have been about three months later. I saw her walking along the seafront and she looked somewhat I don't know, dejected. She was looking down. She had a carrier bag. She was carrying this carrier bag along, just looked dejected. So I stopped, went over to her and, you know, hi, hi, Melissa, how are you doing? Said, oh, I'm okay. And she said she'd moved back home with her parents, moved back in with her parents. So I thought, uh, I didn't like to ask. I thought perhaps she couldn't afford to pay the mortgage or I didn't know what had happened. So I just said, oh, well, that's a shame. You know, you, you loved the bungalow. She said, oh, I've still got it. I still own the bungalow. I thought then perhaps she was renting it out to co help pay the mortgage, you know, to cover the mortgage payments. I didn't know what had happened. And again, I didn't like to ask. But being intrigued, I had to. I said, so what, what happened? You know, is everything all right? And then and I tried not to laugh. I did snigger. She said, the place is haunted. <laughs> haunted. So I said, ah, OK, uh, right, haunted. You know, I didn't like to make a joke of it. I, she was serious and she looked quite worried. She said, I had to move out. I had to go back to my mum and dad's because it was dreadful. There's tapping noises and there's, and there's moaning noises. I, I said, oh, uh, um, okay. Uh, uh, so what are you going to do? I didn't know what to say, to be honest. And that's where the story begins. She wanted to collect a few things from the bungalow, but didn't want to go around on her own. So I said, well, look, I'll, I'll go with you. I was intrigued. I wanted to hear these tapping noises and moaning noises. and I mustn't laugh. So we arranged to go around one evening. I met her there. She parked her car on the drive. I walked because I was only a few streets away. So she gathered up her few things. She made it quite nice, actually. It still needed decorating. She cleared some of the back garden. But of course, then she'd moved out and uh, a bit like the Mary Celeste, is it? Or the Mari Celeste? She just moved out, left uh, even on the kitchen table, um, her plate, uh, her dinner plate and a glass. And she said that the, the tapping noises just got so bad that she just grabbed her, her bag, her keys and left. And she'd not been back since. So she was pretty serious about it. Whatever it was that was going on had obviously really frightened her. So I said, well, there are no tapping noises here now. We were going to have a cup of tea, but the milk in the fridge had gone off. 
so we couldn't have a, a cup of tea or anything. Now she did say, there was a corner shop down the road. She said, look, I'll go and get some milk because she wanted to do one or two other things upstairs, collect some bits and pieces. And I said, okay, look, I'll stay here. She obviously didn't want me to go. I said, I'll stay here. You get some milk. We'll have a cup of tea or coffee. Then you can do whatever you want upstairs, collecting your bits and pieces. And then, you know, we'll go and then we'll leave later on together. She was happy with that. Off she went to get the milk. So I took that opportunity to look around. I don't mean to pry into her, her belongings. I just wasn't sure about this ghost story of hers. This banging and tapping and low moaning and things like that. So I just looked around. Couldn't see anything untoward. I don't know what I was looking for, to be honest. I was just having a look round. I did notice that the dining room door, there's like a door from the dining room onto the, the little dining room, onto a small patio. That wasn't locked. So I tried locking it and it wouldn't lock properly. It's sort of half locked, but you could, if you pull on the door, you could actually open it. So uh, I mentioned that to her when she got back. I said, look, you know, the place isn't secure. And she said, oh, well, that was one of the jobs I was going to get done, but uh, just didn't get round to it. And she said, there are no valuables in the place. You know, she, <laughs> she didn't have any valuables. So we, we had a cup of tea. There were no tapping noises, no moaning noises. She collected some stuff from upstairs. She had a little suitcase that she put some bits and pieces in, her clothes, things like that. And we eventually left. This is a pretty lengthy story, so I'm going to condense it a little bit. I offered to do one or two jobs. She gave me a key and I offered to do one or two jobs, like sort out the door lock. There was one of the PowerPoints, a socket hanging off the wall in the kitchen just one or two little jobs like that, because what she wanted to do was either rent the place out or sell it. She No way did she want to move back in there. Now, each evening, because I, I worked, you know, I was self-employed working from home during the day, so I only had evenings. But each evening I went round there, I was doing these jobs, didn't hear any tapping noises, no moaning noises, no ghosts drifting through the wall or anything like that. And I said to her, look, there's, there's nothing there at all. So one evening, she arranged to meet me there, but we had to talk about some job she wanted done. It was about 10 o'clock at night, so it was dark outside, and there was this tapping noise. And she looked at me, terrified. She said, there you are, I told you, it's haunted. And I thought, she's right, there's definitely a tapping noise, there's no mistaking that, coming from the back of the house. So I went into the dining room, the lights were off in there, I left the light off, went into the dining room, looked around, couldn't see anything, I looked out to, uh, through the window into the garden. The tapping had stopped. I couldn't see anything. Went back into the lounge where she was. We had the light on in the lounge and the curtains were drawn so we couldn't see outside and no one could see in. The tapping was then in the lounge somewhere on the front, round the front of the house, like the front wall. She thought it was coming from upstairs. I thought it was the front wall. Eventually it stopped. After a few visits there, I noticed that it was... Probably coincidence, but I wasn't sure. The tapping noise was only there, only happened when she was there. When I was there on my own, it didn't happen. So I started to wonder what was going on. You know, why should this be? Is, is the ghost, if it was a ghost, I thought, well, is the ghost targeting her, not bothered about me? And I thought, well, that's daft. If the place was haunted, <laughs> you know, it's haunted. It doesn't, or perhaps it was going to choose people to, uh, to haunt. I didn't know. I just wanted to prove a point to myself. So what I did, I said to her, could you leave your car? Because I had an idea. 
I said, can you leave your car on the drive and then walk back to your parents' place? She said, yeah, I can, yeah. She said, why? And I said, no, don't worry about why. Leave your car on the drive, like tomorrow evening. I'll come in and do some jobs and I want to see if the tapping happens. And she said, OK, I don't see what it's got to do with my car, but fine. So she did that. She left her car on the drive. I carried on with the jobs inside. Again, it was about 10 o'clock at night. I was finishing off. I heard tapping coming from the back of the bungalow. So I crept into the dining room. Now the back, the dining room door, I'd fixed the lock, but it wasn't locked. It was, uh, it was easy to open it quietly. I opened it quietly and looked outside. I just had this inkling that it wasn't a ghost. Someone was mucking about. Was it kids or, or someone was mucking about? I went out to the back garden. I couldn't see anyone. So I slipped behind a bush and I'm sort of peeping out from behind this bush. And I saw a figure, someone dressed in black with a like a balaclava. Do you remember the balaclavas over their head? So I couldn't see what it was. Modern, you know, the old equivalent of modern day hoodie, if you like. Well, no, it wasn't a hoodie. It was a balaclava. And I saw this figure go up to the dining room door and start tapping on the glass and then tapping on the wall. He had some object in his hand. I don't know what it was, a stone or something. And he was tapping on the, the back wall. So I emerged from the bush went over to him quietly and I said, hello, what are you up to then? And he turned round, he swung round on his heels. I ripped his balaclava off before he had a chance to do anything. And I looked, he was wide-eyed, open-mouthed. He looked terrified. <laughs> he said, oh, I, I, oh, oh, I was, I was, I said, yeah, I, you were what? Trying to terrify Melissa, what's going on? And then he just span round on his heels again and ran round the side of the house, round the front, and he'd gone. I, I went after him, but he'd gone. I was too late. I couldn't catch him up. So that was it. That was the ghost. I didn't say anything to Melissa when I rang her. I just arranged to meet her there the following evening, and I told her what had happened. I said, there is no ghost. I said it was some young man. He was in his, what, early 20s? And I said he was... Uh, she said, oh, it was brave of you to go after him like that. And I said, no, 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 he's only short. I said he was about your height because she was not that tall. I said he was only a, a small sort of skinny little thing. And she said, what did he look like? I said, well, uh, uh, dark hair, um, quite wide eyes, very pale face. And she went to a drawer. She's rummaging in this drawer. And she said, is that him? She passed me a photograph of her with uh, this, this chap. And I said, yeah, that's him. Who is he? You obviously know him. Who is he? She said, it's my ex-boyfriend. The story was she dumped him, basically because he didn't want her to buy her own place. He wanted to buy it with her, which was great, a great idea, but he didn't have any money. He had no savings. He'd walked out of his job because of an argument with the boss, so he didn't even have any income. He lived with his parents, no job, no money, nothing. And yet he wanted her to go halves with him on the bungalow that she'd worked hard for for two years. She'd saved up, she got the mortgage. And she said, no, I'm not doing that. You know, you're not going to just come and take half. She said, you've got to contribute. Anyway, he, apparently he went really funny about it and he wouldn't speak and he was sulking and it wasn't violent, she said, but uh, he was very you know, verbally abusive. And I said to her, that's it. That's your ghost, isn't it? That's him, revenge or whatever. She was uh, annoyed, obviously. She was furious that she'd moved out, gone back to her parents. She was extremely annoyed. 
but also relieved that the place wasn't haunted. There's just one more little thing to the story. I'd done all these jobs for, I'd actually done a hell of a lot of work round there. I really had done a lot of work. I don't know why, I felt sorry for her, I suppose, with all the haunting. <laughs> and uh, I didn't live far, I was within walking distance, so it didn't bother me too much to pop round there uh, on the odd evening and do these jobs. And uh, there was just a, a one more job to do, which I was just going to finish off. She was going to move back in at the weekend. I was round there. It had got dark. It was, I don't know what time of year. I think it was must be autumn. It was dark about nine o'clock, eight o'clock even. I was just finishing off whatever it was I was doing. And I happened to glance out through the, the dining room window to the garden, which was dark. And I saw a figure. And my initial thought was, oh, no, here we go. He's back. She, Melissa, had contacted him, had a right go at him, threatened to call the police, threatened all sorts of things to tell his parents and everything. And she had said that he was extremely apologetic and wouldn't do it again. He promised that. So who was this figure? There was someone in the back garden. I thought it odd if it was him after all that had happened. But this figure, it was white, dressed in white, whereas he was dressed in his black sort of balaclava and black clothes to, to hide himself. So I opened the dining room door, very quietly looked out, and it was a girl. So I thought, no, now what's, what's going on? Is this a, a friend of hers now pretending to be a ghost? You know, what's going on? And this girl drifted across the lawn and there was a, a shed. She stopped by the shed, turned her head and looked at me and smiled. I just stared, trying to work out, is this, this, this isn't real? This isn't a human being. They don't drift across the lawn about, what, about a foot up in the air or two feet up in the air, just drift across. She smiled at me. She looked quite young, teens. And then she raised her hand and waved and drifted through the, the shed and had gone, just disappeared. As I went back into the bungalow, I didn't know what to think. Perhaps some of Melissa's ghostly noises and hauntings hadn't been her ex-boyfriend perhaps it was a real ghost I didn't know obviously I didn't say anything to Melissa had I mentioned that she would have gone ballistic and never set foot in the bungalow again so I didn't mention that to her as time passed she'd moved in we kept in touch I went to her wedding she met a chap who also funnily enough he also he owned a house or was buying a house with a mortgage they got married. He was a lovely chap. They got married and you know, did the usual, the, the 2.4 children and all the rest of it. <laughs> got their, They got good jobs. They got their pensions. So it all turned out all right. But isn't that strange, that girl in the garden? Who was she? What was she doing drifting around in the garden, drifting through the garden shed? Strange, very strange. I often think back to that. I've been to the garden many years ago now. They've moved since. I used to go to the garden, they'd have uh, barbecues, get-togethers, drinks, evenings, and uh, whenever I went there, I used to look around the garden thinking, where's this girl, where is she, is she lurking? The shed had gone, there was a dilapidated old thing, they got rid of that. But whenever I went there, I was looking around for this girl. Melissa once said to me, what are you looking for? I walked down the garden, I'm sort of peering behind bushes. I said, oh no, I'm just, just looking at the garden. I wasn't, I was looking for a ghost. Now I've forgotten the weather report, haven't I? What have we got? Overcast, very overcast. It was raining earlier, just a few spots of fine rain. Yesterday was supposed to be thunderstorms, thunder, lightning, bangs and crashes. 
torrential rain causing in some places local flooding. But the forecast chap on the telly, he did say it's very localised. You might have nothing at all or you might be torrentially rained on. So we weren't torrentially rained on. But it's 23 centigrade at the moment, which it was the other day because I've written it here. The other day it was 23 centigrade, which is 73.4 Fahrenheit. For those of you in America, who else around the world works in Fahrenheit and imperial stuff, feet and inches and all that? I don't know. So it's 73.4 Fahrenheit again at the moment. Where are we? It's half past eight. I don't even know what day it is. Friday, Friday morning, Friday morning. So that's good. I don't know why that's good, but it's good. End of the week. We normally wander up to our club just around the corner on a Friday evening. But we have three granddaughters coming down. Uh, the three girls, uh, one of them's the big sister is uh, 16. And the twin girls, they are, what are they, 14? Or are they 13? I don't know. I don't know their ages. I don't know what day it is. Do you know, I can't tell the difference. Even now, identical twin girls, I can't tell the difference. I call them the, the, the wrong names. And what I have to do is find out which is which. Trish normally tells me which is which. If I ask them, they tell me the wrong names. I'll ask them which is which, who's who. And they, they just tell me the wrong names. So that's hopeless. I ask Trisha. What I do then is I'll take one of the names, for example, um, say the name is Ruby, and she's wearing a, a red top, Red Ruby. Okay, her name isn't Ruby, I won't mention their names, but Red Ruby. That's how I remember. So they're coming down on the train, just to visit us, um, and they're heading back home, I think about eight o'clock this evening. So we won't be going to the club, which doesn't matter. We can go there tomorrow because we're retired. We can go there whenever we like. The other day... This retirement thing sort of hit home with me. It's been well over a year since I retired, probably 18 months since I retired. And all along, I've been so busy that it's never really sort of sunk in that I've retired. But the other day, what were we doing? We went to the, yes, at the wetlands place. I told you, didn't I? We went to the wildfowl wetlands place in Arundel. And walking around there, it just hit me that I'm retired. At last, it's... It's happened. It took 18 months, though, since I actually stopped work. So that's strange, isn't it? I'm now retired and I'm not going back to work. <laughs> I don't suppose anyone would employ me. Well, no, I mean, I wasn't employed anyway. Was I was self-employed. So there we are. There's the weather. It's not at all cold. It's just, I don't know, it's just dull. Our tortoise has been on the rampage. Oh, talking of tortoises, I heard from John. Hello, John. He says, uh, do you remember I said tortoises don't have ears so they can't hear? John says they have. They've got flaps behind their eyes. So they have got sort of ears, which is interesting. I looked it up. Not that I didn't believe you, John, but I looked it up. And you're right. Yes, they've got flaps behind their eyes, which are kind of ears. Bob, hello, Bob in California. Bob said it might be interesting if people emailed me, me, that is not Bob, with their name, location and possibly age, just out of interest, listeners, so we know where the listeners are and uh, how old they are, where they are sort of thing. I don't know. Do that if you want. Raise rants at protonmail.com. If you want to email with me with your uh, name, where you are and how old you are, be interesting. I mean, I do get a load of emails from people all around the world. So, um, I mean, I wouldn't read those out. I'd only read them out if you if you sort of gave me permission. 
I get struck off by the Data Protection Act or something. No, you don't get struck off, do you? Something dreadful happens. Something grisly happens if you breach the Data Protection Act. Oh, railway strike here. Yeah, I must mention that, the train strike. We've had, or oh, what have we had? Two days this week of strikes, basically all over the country. Uh, another strike tomorrow, which is Saturday. You'll be listening to this on Sunday. But of course, even the days where the people are back at work, the trains are all in the wrong places. They're all over the place. So the timetables are all mucked up. Half of them aren't running anyway. So a bit of a disastrous week. Don't know what's going on. I haven't got any more news than that on the, the railway strikes, I'm afraid. Oh, British Airways. I get these news uh, flashes on my watch, as you know, you know, my Fitbit thing. <laughs> Nothing to do with keeping fit. But a thing flashed up and it said British Airways staff are thinking of going on strike. Everyone wants more money. I want more money. Plus, I should go on strike, which wouldn't be easy because, because I don't go to work in the first place. But uh, it would be nice if my state pension was increased. I've paid in all my life. I've been paying in. I started work when I was 15. And I've been paying income tax and national insurance ever since. Yeah, I'm 15. I'm now 71. So how many years is that? It's too many. No, I retired last, no, when was it, 18 months? Yeah, so I retired when I was, actually, I, I retired more or less on my 70th birthday. So there we are. It's a long time. I deserve a, a pay rise, <laughs> my pension, which won't happen, of course. Oh, just uh, one I found interesting. You'll probably find it boring. Talking to my son yesterday, he lives in America. We're talking about PowerPoints and house wiring and stuff and generators and he said, uh, in, you know, in the UK, we have uh, what we call the, the PowerPoint on the wall, the 13 amp socket, the PowerPoint, whatever you want to call it. In America, they're called the receptacle. How about that? A receptacle. That's good, isn't it? I didn't know that. I've learned quite a lot about America since it, well, he's been there, what, uh, five years, I think. And uh, whenever we have a chat, he comes out with these snippets. It's quite interesting. Well, I think so anyway. <laughs> what I find interesting and what you find interesting might be very, very different. But I thought I'd tell you anyway. I'm still getting emails from you. Thank you very much for all your emails. But I'm still getting quite a few about the politics episode I did. Well, that's a couple of weeks ago now, isn't it? Politics. People emailing me. I think this and I think that. And uh, dear me, someone emailed me and said, Boris Johnson should be in prison. Right? Okay. <laughs> I can't read out a lot of these emails. I mean, I chuckled to myself, but uh, good grief. Some of them are pretty... Um, anyway, better move on from that. What was I going to say? Now I've forgotten what I was going to say. Oh, that's right. Was it yesterday or the day before? Six years to the day that we left the European Union, the EU, six years to the day. And of course, Twitter, which I look at, not so much these days, as I've said, because a lot of it's just boring and false news, fake news and whatever. <laughs> but people went ballistic on Twitter about this six years to the day on uh, leaving the EU. Uh, half of them were the best thing we ever did and rah, rah, rah. and the other half, uh, what a load of rubbish, people that voted to leave should be shot and stuff. <laughs> oh dear, reading it is, is, I mean, it's not funny really because this is all politics isn't it I mean we shouldn't be laughing I shouldn't be laughing at it really but there we are six years ago I couldn't believe that six years have passed struth that's a long time isn't it six years and it's still on the telly on the radio Brexit this Brexit that 
I don't know. I don't think it'll ever end. Apparently, on the news as well, there's uh, polio been discovered in uh, sewerage in London. Sorry if you're having your dinner or your, your tea. They What they do, they check the sewerage for samples uh, on a regular basis, it seems. Check for all sorts of stuff. And polio's popped up. There's recently been cases of, uh, was it tuberculosis, TB? I mean, all this stuff went out decades ago, all eradicated decades ago, and it's coming back which isn't good. I remember a chap at school, he'd had polio and he's, he, his arms were, he couldn't put his arms out straight. He was, uh, he was a lovely chap actually. Got on well with people, but he had had polio and he couldn't walk too well. But there we are, it seems to be coming back. I, I don't know what is happening to the world. Oh, another email here from Tansy. Hello, Tansy. I, you don't say where you are, UK by the look of it. She says, that she remembers the, I sang a, a bit of a record, uh, what was it? Uh, I said it was by the Kinks, was it Lazy Sunday Afternoon or something? But on the communications episode I did, where people, communications originally was chatting over the garden fence. You know, how's your Bert's Lumbago? Oh, mustn't grumble. Do you remember that? <laughs> Tansy remembers that. She said that brought back memories and she said it's inspired me to start playing records again. She's kept her old Danset record player from the 60s. Everyone in the 60s, every teenager had a record player and the majority of them were Danset. Mine was Ferranti. I don't know why. I remember being a bit miffed. I got this record player for my 13th birthday and all my friends had Dansette record players. I had a Ferranti. Mind you, mine sounded a lot better than theirs. So that, <laughs> that was good. But I used to love playing records. I must admit, I didn't look after mine too well. I just play one, sling it aside, play one, sling it aside. You're, you're meant to put them back in their covers, aren't you, properly. I've got actually quite a nice little vinyl collection, which I do look after, the Rolling Stones, Dire Straits, uh, various other things. Uh, I've only got, I don't know, perhaps 20 LPs, something like that, no singles anymore. Or oh, actually I have, I've got Green Sleeves by Marianne Faithful which, somewhere, which is scratched to bits. <laughs> I mean, it plays all right, but uh, it's pretty well scratched. I don't know where I got that from, I don't remember buying it. But it was great in the old days, wasn't it? Buying records. You know, you go downtown to the record shop and pass over your 10 shilling note. Do you remember that? Your 10 shilling note. Oh, that's another thing. In Britain, we've got 100 days left. Well, it's 99 now because I read it yesterday. 99 days left to hand in your £20 notes and £50 notes, the paper ones, because they're being done away with. £50 note? I don't get £50 notes. I don't get £20 notes, so I won't be stuck with any. <laughs> I remember the 10 shilling notes and the pound notes. Do you know, I miss those. I miss the pound notes, the 10 shilling notes, the fivers we've still got, but they're like plastic. I don't know whether in uh, Australia and around the world, America, I don't know whether you've got plastic money, have you? But instead of paper, they're like plastic. They're awful things. They stick together. You don't know how many fivers you've got. Well, I do. I've only got one, if that. Oh, talking of America, yeah, and talking of uh, Bob's idea of people sending in their name and location. I do have on the podcast stats, there's a stats page, and you can see where people are listening. The majority, I don't know the percentage, I might have a look later. Majority, obviously, are in the UK. Uh, the next biggest chunk of listeners is North America. And then it goes on to places like Spain, Australia, New Zealand, 
you know, all over Europe, stuff like that. But that's the, the biggest one is UK. And then the second largest amount of listeners is North America, which is interesting. I have now lost in weight 12 pounds. How about that? I don't know what it is in kilos and grams. I can't do all that nonsense. <laughs> so 12, uh, yeah, 12 pounds in weight. Yeah, we've got stones and pounds. We were talking about this, weren't we, the other day, uh, imperial stuff. And oh, oh, that's what it was. Yeah, we were talking about this. And I said to my son that what I do sometimes, we were chatting about in America, it's still feet and inches. And I said, what I do, which is ridiculous, sometimes I'm measuring, I, I get the old tape measure out and it's seven feet and a bit. So what I'll do is have a look on the tape measure, mark my bit of wood, seven feet and one centimetre. <laughs> it just happens to be that on the tape measure. The nearest thing is a centimetre mark. So I write down, that's the measurement, I've got to cut the wood, seven feet and one, one centimetre. I mean, that really is mucking up metric and imperial, isn't it? But it works. I mean, it doesn't matter what it says on the tape measure. I want to cut the bit of wood as to a certain length. So it doesn't matter what I do on there. And he was saying that in America, you get sort of, uh, not only three eighths, but so many sixteenths or so many thirty seconds of an inch. We're going back to the old days. Uh, the feel, a gauge of a car engine, you'd, you'd have thousands of an inch. So you'd say, oh, it should be set at thirty-three thou, which is thirty-three thousandths of an inch, or sixty-four thou. You know, sixty-four thousandths of an. Inch. I mean, that really is going over the top. I don't, he says he can't cope with that, neither can I. I suppose, I mean, I do agree with him, centimetres, millimetres, metres, all that stuff. It's easy, isn't it? It's a lot easier to work out. Because he was saying, how do I get on with the metric? Well, if someone shows me, a, say, a drain pipe, and they say, what diameter is that? I'll have a look at it. Oh, that's four inch. Or that's six inch drain pipe, six inch diameter. I can't, I've got a clue in, in centimetres or millimetres. I'd say, I don't know, um, it's about six inch diameter. So what's that? I don't, I don't know. 15 centimetres, is it? I've got a clue. Because in my brain, in my mind, I've grown up with feet and inches. You know, someone says, how long is that? I'll have a look at it. That's about four inches. And I'm normally not spot on, but uh, certainly near enough. So there we are. I've still got all this. I must admit, I'd, with the Fahrenheit and centigrade, I am now centigrade. I've got used to that over the years and I now don't know the Fahrenheit. I suppose I should have done that with the, the measurements really but uh, I just can't kind of get it in my head. But not to worry, I mean at my age who cares what an inch is or how many millimetres? I just ask Alexa. I just say what, uh, how many millimetres or something is seven inches and she tells me so I don't have to worry about it anyway. Just had another news flash on my Fitbit watch. <laughs> Look, I've done 1,500 steps today. That's not much. That's because I've been sitting here talking to you. I must get up and move around in a minute, lose some more weight. Yeah, the, it was about uh, cost of living. Cost of living. Everything's going up in price. Our petrol is now almost, well, I've, apparently in some places, it's over £2 a litre. I know in America, it's hugely cheap, isn't it, petrol? Well, you might not think so when you're in America, but compare you compare ours... Uh, you, of course, you're still on gallons. You see, this is another thing. I can't work out litres. How many miles to a gallon does your car do? That I can work out. How many miles to a litre? I've no idea. 
So anyway, if you're interested and you live in America, our petrol, let's call it £2 a litre. So you can have a look and work that out, see what it is, how that compares with yours. But everything is going up. You know, our shopping, we're looking through the shopping list the other day, the stuff we bought, everything is going up. And the funny thing is, as Trish pointed out, a lot of the things that are going up by a large amount are the cheaper stuff. You know, something that the lower end of the range that was, say, I don't know, 60 pence is now a pound. Whereas the same item, but the better quality has gone up, but by not the same sort of percentage, if you see what I mean. So, you know, the, the posh stuff, <laughs> you know, the posh butter and the posh cheese has gone up, but uh, by far less percentage than the economy. I've often wondered about this stuff in supermarkets, economy stuff. You, you get economy tomatoes. Well, why are they economy? What, what's different about the tomato? I mean, a tomato is a tomato, isn't it? There's pears in there. I like pears. Brother-in-law doesn't. He calls pears the fruit of Satan. Don't know why. He doesn't like them. I love them. But pears, you get economy pears, and they can be half the price of the decent pears. What are the night? Are they called conference? Conference? Can't remember. And same with apples. Pink lady apples from South Africa are lovely. Got some listeners in South Africa. I know that. I've seen on the map. I see where you are on the map. <laughs> well, I don't. I just see a red blob to say there's listeners there. So yes, pink lady apples from South Africa are really nice. I suppose, I mean, how much does it cost to get apples from South Africa to Britain? They've got to come by ship or by plane. I don't know. How much does that cost? Talk about carbon footprints, which I'm not. But uh, I don't know why we can't grow our own apple. All right, we can't grow Pink Lady. We've got figs on our fig tree. Now, really, our fig tree wants to be down the Mediterranean somewhere in a hot country because apparently they won't ripen properly. Our weather is just not right for it. But we've got these fairly large figs on the tree. And one of my neighbours the other day, he said, what they do is the figs will appear one year then they will ripen the next year. So you can't, you know, they don't like apples and the rest of it. They don't just grow one year and ripen and then you pick them. You have to wait till the next year for them to ripen on the tree. I Can you hear those seagulls? They've been going mental. I think there's a storm on the way. The weather forecast says sun and no rain. That means there's a storm coming with torrential rain. Now, Alistair Cook. Do you remember Alistair Cook? Letter from America on the BBC Home service, was it? Or was it uh, when it was Radio 4? Letter from America. Do you know, I've had another email, this time from Ed. Hello, Ed, in the US. He said that he used to listen to the Letter from America, even though it was directed at the UK. And he used to like that. He said you could do a letter from Britain. (laughs) So Americans can listen. But as he says, there would have to be some politics in it, which I don't like. Alistair Cook, I used to listen to that on uh, the BBC Home Service, I can't remember, but I used to listen to that. It was interesting. Letter from America. He'd tell us what was going on in America. He had quite a good voice, actually, for it. It it was like a calm voice. I'll have to see if there's any audio clips or um, any podcasts with him on there. I mean, he's long since gone, but it was very interesting. I'll have to, as I say, try and find some, there must be some podcasts or YouTube stuff with uh, Alistair Cook on there. I'll have to have a listen and uh, perhaps I'll do one episode can be a letter from Britain. I don't know what I'd say, just ramble on 
with the rubbish I usually ramble on with, I suppose. <laughs> Happy days. Talking of the letter from America reminds me of the email from Ruth I had a few weeks ago. She was saying that uh, she's in Canada and she said they don't have the, the sort of history we've got. So she likes her and her family, like listening to the podcast episodes because you know, I, I ramble on, <laughs> go on, bang on, harp on about the old days and what it was like then. And she said they find it very interesting. So yeah, I hope people do find it interesting. I often wonder what to talk about. And whenever I say, uh, got any ideas, raise rants at protonmail.com, let me know. I do get response. But uh, some of the ideas, there's one, there's Janet. Hello, Janet. Janet pops up every now and then with ideas. But I'm afraid her ideas, I, I can't, I have replied. Obviously, I reply to as many emails, well, all emails, basically, I have replied to Janet and I've explained I can't talk about that. I get arrested. <laughs> I do take all your ideas on board and what I'll do out of all the ideas is just jot down a few good ones or I'll put a couple of ideas together and come up with a new idea. We know what I mean. I'm rambling on now. So yes, it's not always easy, but I do know that people like to, or people around the world like to know about the 50s, the 60s here, especially the 60s in Britain, you know, the younger people want to hear about the 60s because that was where, I mean, the, the music in Britain in the 60s was the envy of the world, wasn't it? So I've been told. <laughs> but it was, you know what I mean? All the, the groups, they used to call them groups, they're bands now, aren't they? They're rock bands and things. In the old days, they were groups. The Rolling Stones, do you know the Rolling Stones? Mick Jagger, what's he now, coming up to 80? He is still, he's on tour. He's uh, up in Liverpool. He did, um, oh, where was he? He went somewhere else. I can't remember. He's all over the place on tour. Can you believe it at that age? I mean, he obviously doesn't need the money. He does it because he loves it. Fantastic. And, and he is still good. I saw him on telly the other day on the stage. He is still good. Uh, 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 coming up, I don't know, is he 80 yet? I think Keith Richards is, uh, he's 80. You wouldn't believe it, would you? If someone in the 60s had said the Rolling Stones will still be touring when they're in their 80s, you just would have said, no, don't be daft. They'll, they'll be old men. They'll be in wheelchairs. They'll be in some home somewhere. <laughs> the home for old rockers. Oh, I love it. A friend of mine the other day said that he'd been to see a live band over at, um, was it Littlehampton somewhere or Bogner? I can't remember where. And he said, the, the band spent an hour and a half setting up. Hour and a half. And he said they brought in all these electronic boxes and cables and bits and pieces. And he was saying, as I remember, in the old days, the 60s, the 70s, the live bands in the pubs and clubs, they bring in their guitars, amplifier, speaker, possibly a, a wah-wah pedal and a fuzz box type pedal. And that's it. Not all this other electronic rubbish. I, I don't know. And... As he pointed out, and I agreed, they sounded a lot better in the old days. Proper valve, Marshall amps, stuff like that. Not all this electronic stuff. I don't know what it's all for. I've seen this. I've watched live bands set up and they're plugging in all these boxes with switches and lights. on. What on earth is it all for? I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And I don't quite know what, what difference. The, the sound isn't as good. I know that. Perhaps I'm just old-fashioned. Well, I am, as you know, I'm old-fashioned. I like the good old days. Oh, I mustn't forget this email from Sandra. Hello, Sandra. Uh, she lives at home with her mum and dad. She says, 
My dad has got a red phone box in the back garden. There we are. Well done, Sandra. Well done, Sandra's dad. Don't know where they live. But uh, yeah, apparently he was working at uh, some place or other and it was going up the scrap heap and he couldn't believe it. So he said, I'll have that. And they put it on the back of the works truck and put it in his back garden. She said, it's really nice condition. There's no phone in it, unfortunately. But he's now looking out for an original that that will cost a lot, Sandra. Those phones, you know, the old press A and button A and button B and all this, all that assembly that were in the boxes, that will cost a lot. But he's got the phone box and she said he's cleaned it all up. The glass is immaculate. He's replaced some glass that was cracked. It's all been repainted. There's the original light. I remember the light in the top. They were on a time switch. The time switch was down the bottom because even when I was a kid, I was interested in electrical stuff. And I remember looking at the time switch and I wanted one. <laughs> the old press button A and button B business. Great. So that's good. Yeah, I would, but I mind you, we haven't got room in our garden for a red phone box. I suppose I could force it in somewhere <laughs> down the garden. I mean, it's no good if you're just going to keep kind of forks and spades and shovels in it, use it as a cupboard. You'd want it nice inside. Sandra hasn't said what is inside the box, just that there's no phone. Um, so yeah, your dad's after an original phone. If I hear of one, Sandra, I shall let you know. One thing I've been after for some time, and I've seen a few on eBay, but a lot of them are collection only from hundreds of miles away, you know. Can you hear that? Someone's sawing wood now. You can tell it's summertime. They're all outside. Power tools going and goodness knows what. Yeah, I've always wanted a one of these long, um, I forget what they're called, a, a GPO clock, a long clock with the pendulum in and all the old uh, sort of fashioned electronics in, like a master clock. Yes, GPO, General Post Office or Post Office Master Clock with uh, contacts in a big pendulum. It's sort of tick-tock, tick-tock. That would be great. Stand that in the hall. I've told Trish about it and she said, you know, well, if ever you find one, get it. She loves all this old stuff as well. You know, um, can, listen, what is that? Someone's drilling a hole through something or sawing something. I don't know. Anyway, we're coming up to the end of the podcast episode so it doesn't matter too much i've just had a look outside i made myself a cup of tea had a look in the garden tadpoles are doing all right we had on the lawn the other night i just got a new outside camera uh you know a kind of remote one you can pan and tilt or whatever you can do with it and it was about 10 o'clock at night because it's getting a little bit darker in the evenings now isn't it the longest day's gone doom and gloom dark evenings wind ice snow cold freezing <laughs> no 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 we haven't had proper summer yet so I looked on the camera and on the lawn were three frogs about 10 o'clock at night just getting dark three frogs hopping about on the lawn fantastic and yesterday there was one uh, on the edge of our small pond he was there most of the day sometimes he'd dive in the pond then he'd come out again and warm himself up in the sun it was lovely to see that so we have got at least three frogs and we've still got quite a few tadpoles. So going back to the clock, yeah, I think it's called a master clock. It's about six feet tall, stands on the ground, and it's got kind of solenoids in it and electrical stuff. I think they're from the 50s, 60s, something like that. I only want it for the ticking noise. I, I like the pendulum ticking noise. And also I could do something with the electronics. Anyway, I'm boring you with that. Okay, coming up to, where are we, 50 minutes? Coming up to an hour, which I think is enough. You've probably all 
gone to sleep. Wake up. You can wake up now. You've probably set an alarm. <laughs> set an alarm to wake you up. No, no, I'm sure you haven't. I do hope, I've said this before, I do hope you enjoy listening to the podcast episodes as much as I enjoy making them. I could sit here all day and just ramble and talk rubbish all day long. I ought to get a job. Perhaps the BBC would employ me. They've got a lot of people that talk rubbish all day. <laughs> I'll probably get arrested for that now. I don't know. Oh, what was it? I read the other day somewhere. Political correctness. Uh, I can't. Oh, dear. What a shame. My memory's going. I do write things down, but I can't always remember. Not to worry. I shall remember when the podcast episode is finished and I shall write it down and talk about it on the next Sunday's episode. In the meantime, email me if you have anything to say. Uh, Yeah. What about Bill's? uh, No, who is it? Not Bill. Bob. Oh, I haven't read Bill's email out yet. Bob. Yes, if you want to tell me where you are and your name, I'll say hello to you. We can find out where people are listening. That might be interesting. Now, Bill's email. Hang on, I've got to find it amongst the mess on my desk here in my highly technical recording studio. Oh, here we are. Yes, hello, Bill. Sorry, I almost forgot. I've got you on my list here. Bill says, I was talking about old cars the other week, which I was. A column change, you know, for the gear shift. Uh, the bench seat in the front in the old days in the 60s fantastic cars with the bench seat I loved it and I I had said in one of the episodes something about I'd love one of those cars again and he said they're not that expensive if you go to some of the the car rallies and the shows I have done actually Bill I went to one at Amberley Museum uh, what was that a couple of weeks ago and a lot of these old cars were there and some of them were for sale they had a sign on for sale £3,000, 4000 you know, not horrendous. I mean, some of the, the really nice Armstrong, Sidley's, stuff like that, uh, beautiful Jaguars, they are quite expensive. But there were a lot of cars there, not all for sale, of course, but a lot of cars there, not posh ones, just really nice old cars that took me back years, decades. I would like one. The trouble is, is the maintenance, you know, you've got to look after it. It can become quite expensive, especially if it needs work doing on it. A friend of mine, Tony, he's just bought an Austin 1100, well, I say just, about a year ago. It's lovely, but he's done quite a bit of work on it. The The subframe had to have that replaced. Uh, there's rust on it. You know, it really is a lot of work he's had done. What else was it? Of oh, Some mechanical problems. I don't know. I don't know what he paid for it but I think he's spent the same again on getting it done up. So they can be expensive. But yeah, thanks for that, Bill. There's uh, another cut. Where is there? There's one up in in Capel in Surrey. as a military thing coming up soon. We are going to Parham, or Parham, if you're posh. Parham, don't you know? What? what? We're going up to Parham, just somewhere near Storrington. That's, uh, when is that? That's the 9th and the 10th of next month. There's a vintage car show up there. and also Oh, it's a steam rally as well. A steam rally. I love that. The traction engines, the, the stationary engines, all that sort of stuff. Anyway, there, I know that a lot of you are yawning. Oh, dear. Sorry, wake up. You can wake up now. I'm going to end it here. Thanks for listening as always. Been fantastic talking to you. Hope you've enjoyed it. I shall see you on Wednesday for the midweek message. Take care. Look after yourselves. Bye bye for now.